Hello, and welcome to the Top 3, a podcast where we discuss the definitive rankings of everything. I'm your host, Kieran Davey. Today, I am joined by Mary Saunders to discuss the top three improv forms, examining different styles of improvised theater. It's sure to be a fun discussion. Let's dive in. Hi, Mary. Thank you for joining me today, being a guest on the podcast. Kieran, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. So today we'll be discussing um, the top three improv forms. Definitely a topic that can appeal to everyone, not not a niche subject at all. So, Mary, do you want maybe want to talk about your experience with improv? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. Well, I guess for starters, Kieran, that's how you and I know each other. It's true. I had done a little bit in middle school, but our high school didn't really have a CIG team as many bigger schools do. So, uh, my introduction was brief, and then. There were several years where I didn't really have an outlet for it. And then, yeah, came to a show, University Improv, uh, in second year and was like, wow, I've been missing this for so <laughs> long. And yeah, auditioned the next year. And now here we are. Yeah, similarly for me, although kind of opposite to you, I didn't know improv at all in middle school. But my high school, we started a CIG team. CIG stands for Canadian Improv Games for... Um, those of you out there who are uninformed. <laughs> so yeah, my high school, we started a Canadian improv games team, CIG team for the first time. And so we were very much just trying to like figure our way through things and like felt very improv, very improvised. And then from that, yeah, tried out for the university improv team and uh, did that throughout all of my university degree. So it was a blast. And that's how we know each other because we were uh, lucky enough to be on a team two years in a row, I think. I think it was just the one year. Just the one. We had so much fun, it felt like two. <laughs> or it was just so arduous that it felt like a really long, drawn-out time. <laughs> of course not. It was just all just fun and, and free. So I guess for people who are unfamiliar, how would you describe improv to someone who maybe doesn't know what it is? Oh, that's a good question. I guess I think of the very kind of classic explanation of like, oh, we're up here on stage and all of this is made up as people usually introduce shows. So yeah, usually it's a collection of people on stage. Everything's made up from the suggestion that an audience member has given. And then it can follow a set structure, uh, which I think we'll get into explaining in a little bit. But it's usually comedic in nature. But I have seen some improv that's kind of like spooky and sad in nature. So... It's really whatever you want it to be, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's a really cool form of theater um, and just like performance art in general because it's one of the few types of performance art where both you and the audience have no idea what's going to happen on stage. Yeah, and I think it's very forgiving for that exact reason. Like the audience members know that you have no idea what's going on as well. Well, theoretically, you have like a little bit of an idea, but they're on board with it in a very supportive way, which is quite fun. Yeah, it's super cool. It's like you and the audience and everybody else are creating things together and, you know, responding to each other's ideas. And it's I think it's really cool for that reason. Yeah. For anybody who's interested in, you know, learning more, a great introduction to it is the Netflix special by Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middleditch called Middleditch and Schwartz. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I think that is a great example of two, like, 
excellent improvisers just having a great time. Oh, I feel like an, an example that a lot of people know or recognize is whose line is it anyway? True. That's also a great one. Yeah. So whose line? They typically do short form improv, so more kind of games. Uh, whereas I think today, Mary, we'll be discussing long form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good transition into getting into what forms are. Yeah. Do you want to give us a rundown on uh, forms? Oh, man, Kieran. <laughs> Formally defining things uh, in a structured way is, is tricky. Yeah, I'm looking to... I'm looking... I'm viewing myself as the host and you as the improv expert that I've invited on. <laughs> well, I'm going to yes and that, if you will. Very nice. Uh, see what I did? A classic improv role. Very nice. Um, for those of you, again, less in the know about these things. But uh, let's see, improv form. So, yeah, we were mentioning short and long form, which is a pretty direct indication of just that, the length. So things that are short form, you know, take place over a shorter period of time. And short form is usually, as you were saying, Karen, have this kind of gamey nature. Like, it's usually about following patterns and picking up on bits that your fellow players have put forward. Usually the structure, if there is one, is a little bit like simpler, straightforward versus long form. Um, could be more complex or what have I missed, Karen? I'm sure I've missed things. Well, I think, no, I think that was a great explanation. I think long form typically has more of a storyline than short form. Short form just kind of fun snippets and jokes and goofs and spoofs. Whereas long form has definite like characters and some plots and like arcs these characters go on. Mm, Much more um, narrative. So you can really, Yeah. yeah, see the story happening. I also think it's funny that we're talking about this as if there's people listening that are not familiar with improv. Whereas I have a feeling that anybody who listens are only going to be improv people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it kind of calls for its own audience in a way. Whereas like if someone's like, oh, improv, don't know what that is, like probably won't listen. Yeah, but hey, both very inclusive and very niche. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Cool. So then, you know, we're talking about the top three improv forms, I guess just as a structure for our conversation how are we defining like what is a good improv form or what is like the best improv form oh man that's a good question i guess in kind of our discussion leading up to how we're going to approach this one of those things very broadly is ones that we've been exposed to because there are so many forms out there that discussing them all would be absolutely impossible so i'm not planning on staying completely objective i guess i i demand a complete objectivity. <laughs> <laughs> and all of that plays into, again, which ones you've done, which ones you did shows that went well, which ones you did shows that didn't go well. Like, totally. Uh, all of those things uh, play in. So I guess that means that, you know, personal enjoyment is maybe one of them. Audience enjoyment, uh, whether that be perceived of other people or your own watching other teams. I think probably just personal enjoyment is going to be what most of this is based on, is how much you and I just enjoyed doing yeah. it. <laughs> of science in improv as far as i'm aware but we'll take our opinions and view them as definitive for sure (laughs) i think one thing that i would like to consider is maybe the universality of it like a form that is done by a lot of people like there's some forms that you and i have only done once and they're like awesome but maybe we only did them one time because they're complicated or are more experimental or took some time to set up and i think there is something to be said for those forms that you come back to you know yeah true 
And I guess most of the ones that we'll maybe get more into discussing are more global, like ones that have a name that people recognize that come back time and time again. And I think naturally that lends itself to kind of a top three feeling because obviously people enjoy them enough to keep them coming back. Well then, let's let's dive into some specific forums. We've gone big, but let's let's dive in. Amazing. So I know one that we had chatted a little bit briefly about this beforehand, and one that you and I were both drawn to as a potential top three improv form was the form pushpins, correct? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I love pushpins. I feel like I had a great time watching and performing pushpins. But Kieran, the funniest thing is I saw some shows that USASC Improv did and got involved with them, and there was like a pretty decent handful of people that were anti-pushpins. Anti-pushpins? No yeah. way! I was like, what is this? And as far as I can gather, I think it's because it was a form that was overdone a little oh. bit. A few individuals were like, no, no more pushpins, please. Oh, but interesting. That's the positivity train. I love pushpins. Yeah. Big advocate. Well, I could see, I guess, how many people would feel it was overdone because when I talked about like the universality, the ones you always come back to, pushpins is the one at the front of my mind. Like it's one that guaranteed everyone at least within our university team everybody had done it like every team um it was a classic like one to do if you're you know didn't have any other ideas it's like this one will work it's great it's fun Mm -hmm. kieran i think you're totally right which is what makes the next part of this so bizarre their favorite form seemed to be the herald which i'm sure we'll talk about uh at some point but yeah for the logic that they're rejecting it because it's overdone. I, why would they land on the Herald that it's... Anyway. Yeah, the Herald is other, also classic. Okay, but before we move on to the Herald, maybe yeah. let's, like, yeah. describe pushpins first. And then, uh, you know, talk about the Herald afterwards. Yeah. Um, great, great thought, Kieran. So would you like to take away the description? Sure, for pushpins? Yeah, so yeah. my understanding of pushpins is it starts with... I hope this isn't too much improv lingo or jargon, but it starts with like a scene painting. So you get a suggestion from the audience, like... A geographic location, usually. Exactly. Like a forest or a shopping mall. And then you kind of paint the scene. You're describing the scene and like details here and there. Maybe the shopping mall has like a, you know, kids play area or like a computer store with a really angry cash register or something. You describe it like it's a map. I don't know if this will translate to an audio format, this description, but it's like a, <laughs> a map on stage and then individuals go and drop pins, like not actual pins, but they like imaginary pins like on Google Maps um, with little events that are happening throughout the, throughout the shopping mall or the location. Mm-hmm. So we start very big, very broad, giving kind of that visual element of the environment. And then from there, we start painting more of the specific scenes and maybe characters. Yeah, it's a lot of like zooming into those specific moments and then zooming out to see the overall map. And one thing that I like about pushpins is that even if let's say you zoom in on one scene with the angry cash register, when you zoom out, all the other scenes have still progressed, even if you don't zoom into them. And so then you can have like a full storyline that you never get to see, uh, but just keeps on going in the zoomed out version, I think. And I also really like the visual component of the pushpins. Like when the people are opening it up and kind of painting this 
landscape across the stage and indicating where things are geographically i feel like it makes it feel very very real which i like yeah i agree i think it totally adds that like visual element which i think makes it unique Mm -hmm. but then switching gears i guess to one that's less visually focused and more narratively focused we had talked about the herald a little bit do you want to give the description of the herald yeah sure a herald is a very classic form um And my impression is that the committee, a San Francisco improv group, first performed the Herald in Concord, California in 1967. I did a little research (laughs) pre-pod. Great, great research. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, apologies apologies to whoever invented pushpins because we gave zero credit to them. Hard to say, yeah. Um... But yeah, and and since then has grown into kind of a really well-known established form, especially through UCB Improv in the States. Uh, They have Herald Night Weekly, um, and it's grown into quite a thing. So the structure of the Herald is um, three stories running parallel to one another, essentially, and we see them each in chunks and then return back. So it starts with a suggestion from the audience, as usual, and then we'll see story A, the beginning, the beginning of story B, and the beginning of story C. And then interjected between the first part and the second part is a game, which is, in my opinion, just one of the hardest things to describe in improv. But as we were kind of saying earlier, very like quippy, bit-based, maybe 30 seconds to a minute long, just kind of like a short little palate cleanser in between segments before we move on back to kind of the middle of each story. So we see the middle of A, the middle of B, the middle of C, and then we take another little quick beat with another game in between those sections, and then we see the end of A, end of B, and end of C. And in a similar way to Pushpins, um, the stories may or may not kind of come together in the end. I think that's commonly a goal, is to make them kind of intertwine or reach this like satisfying conclusion, but in my experience, they don't always do that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, definitely a classic one. So, Kieran, let me ask you a question. We've described the Herald, we've described pushpins. In the spirit of comparison and rating and top three, as it were, how do you kind of compare those two, uh, in your opinion? How do they fare against one another? Yeah, I think, you know, pushpins were really pushing it for the top three. (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah, like that. And then, uh, I think Harold is also maybe deserved of consideration just because, again, it's one of those classic forms. You Sask loves it, apparently. As apparently. It's as old as 1967, thanks to Mary's deep internet <laughs> research. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I mean, maybe within this top three, too, there's room for a top personal favorite, a top global favorite, and then a little je ne sais quoi or something. <laughs> Because I think top three Harold, like, it's hard not to put the Harold in top yeah. three because it's so big in the improv community. But I'm going to be a little bit controversial, Kieran. Oh, man. Does not make my top three. Whoa. Hot and take. No. Did you even Hot go to you Sask at all? <laughs> Just briefly. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. I did not see eye to eye with that particular opinion. I think the, the narrative... Uh, structure of the herald is very fun and as an audience member for the first time seeing it is very pleasing being like whoa look at that they're bringing it back (laughs) but 
I don't know. I feel like there's so many special, fun, unique forms out there that the Herald just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, maybe we don't Maybe we don't include it. Uh, is there another one that you would prefer, you think, deserves to be in there? Hmm, let's see. I remember the Ghost Jail, I think. I uh-huh. think is what it's called. Okay. Not as much uh, not as much research on this one, hey. <laughs> I tried. It's nowhere. The only thing I could find is a team called the Ghost Jail that used to perform in, like, 2014 um, with players from, like, Toronto and Vancouver. So, I mean, hit them up, I guess, but they don't seem to exist anymore. Anyway, uh, Ghost Jail is essentially, again, starting with a suggestion from the audience. And there is, I think, a pair of notebooks on either side of the stage. And at any given point in time, two of the players are writing in this notebook. And the rest of the time, kind of an open jam is happening in the center based off that initial suggestion. To clarify, an open jam is just scenes happening. Thank you, Kieran, for catching me on that. No worries. At any point in time, one of the people on the side writing, when they feel their masterpiece is complete, can uh, pick an appropriate time to sweep the stage, if you will, which is to say, end the scene that's on stage and interject at an appropriate time, um, and present their piece. So this could be a, a piece of poetry, it could be a letter, it could be a grocery list, it could be really anything. Uh, it's quite open, which I enjoy. And then from there, the scenes following that reading are inspired by that reading until the next person comes up to present what they've written. Um, And like I was saying, I think what I enjoy so much about Ghost Jail is the incorporation of that other medium of writing. I think it's visually interesting and uh, engaging for the audience to see this process happening on the side of the stage, but also just kind of unique. It definitely is unique. I've actually never done a Ghost Jail, um, so I cannot speak to it at all from personal experience. Um, I don't even know if I can remember seeing it performed, but I know it exists, and I know people like it. (laughs) Maybe it's just me and I'm making it up. Ghost Jail's been dead for over 40 years! (laughs) Yeah, the reason you can't find anything on the internet is because it doesn't actually exist. (laughs) I dreamed it. Alright, well, if you're not a big fan of Ghost Jail, Kieran, what form comes up next for you as, like, a contender for top three? Well, I think, like... Talking about like mixing mediums and changing it up and doing something different. There's a few that are like coming to my brain. Like one that was my one of my personal favorites to perform was like musical improv. We did a musical set to get together, Kieran. I remember that very fondly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Musicals, I think, are just so fun. It's pretty standard. Like it's like you're improvising a Disney musical, just like making up a musical on the spot. Typically, not like the most complicated plot lines. It's usually pretty straightforward in terms of the story um the thing that's fun is having to make up songs on the spot like it's accompanied by music so typically somebody will play the guitar or the piano or both or something um and i think it's just so cool when it's done well to see people making up songs on the spot that still you know rhyme and sound like songs and connect back to the storyline or even if they don't rhyme or just are terrible i feel like then that's also kind of fun (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's another kind of uh, good example of when the support from the audience and the general enthusiasm of improv really comes to play because 
even if you do say something that like yeah it doesn't rhyme or is super strange and just kind of comes out weirdly that's half the fun is just people seeing you mess up in a way which when you're not taking it too seriously is it's quite a lot of fun i think maybe this actually could lead into another category though or not another category but another qualifier of where things get placed and it's how things translate to the audience because i think that with the musical one especially uh there's a lot of potential for it to be really amazing but there's also a lot of potential for it to be a very very kind of like i don't want to say cringy experience but cringy experience yeah yeah it's definitely some people don't like it improvisers or audience members maybe um i think it's one of my ones that i really enjoy but yeah i don't know if i'd push for it in the top three just because it doesn't have that like universal sense a little niche mm-hmm, it is quite niche okay i'll name maybe just briefly two other ones that are kind of weird and maybe don't fit one of them is uh our team mary our team that we were both in uh we did a improv set inspired by the canceled tv show firefly which is you know a great tv show um basically what we did very labor intensive we recorded like a 20 minute short film that was like a, a parody of the tv show firefly of like that's episode one and we showed that to the audience and then live on stage we improvised episode two with the same characters the more plot line um and I think that one, I just kind of wanted to mention it because I think it was one of the coolest sets I've been a part of. But yeah, it doesn't qualify for the top three because, you know, people are going to record full 20-minute films to prelude their set, typically. It was also an interesting experiment in terms of coming in with like a preset character, which is something that doesn't really happen all that often uh, in improv. I'm sure there's other instances, but for me, I think it was the first kind of time when I was coming in knowing who I was going to yeah. be. It doesn't make my personal top three um, because I enjoy the freedom within a show to kind of transition into different characters where need be versus like if you saw an opportunity to contribute uh, in that set, you can't really just jump in if it's not congruent with your character. True. Yeah, definitely a limitation of that set for sure. So then I guess if, instead of me just continuing to name sets that I like but that are not in the top three, <laughs> what's another form that you feel like is uh kind of stands out for you as one of the best ones you've done oh this is such a hard question but one of the ones that i will say i've always remembered the form is called hostage and it's when one of the improvisers from a team is sequestered away in a room oh good use of the word sequestered thank you it is a good word i never use it either so i'm surprised it came up but i'm pretty happy with it crazy things are happening this episode <laughs> little pat on the back for me um but yeah one of these uh, improvisers is uh sequestered away in a room um and they're improvising on their own for the entirety of the set which in my experience was commonly like 20 minutes long you know maybe they make use of the things in the room and essentially there's scenes going on on stage with the rest of the team and then every once in a while we interject to a live stream of the person in that room improvising on their own so they don't know at what point the entire audience is viewing what they're doing but you get to kind of peek in like looking in through a closed door yeah that's such a wild thing because you have them 
they're just on their own yeah <laughs> such a wild form because yeah the person in the other room you've no idea when what you're doing is on screen or not like you're just doing weird stuff by yourself in a room for 20 minutes and then afterwards people are like well great show and you're like what moments did you see i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> truly yeah yeah so hostage definitely a like funky form mm -hmm. are you pushing for it in the top three i feel like it's a contender i don't like it's not one of the ones where i'm like no clearly not it i'm maybe a little hard pressed to say that it's solidly in the top three but in terms of enjoyability, I feel like from a performer's standpoint, it's a lot of fun. From the audience perspective, I feel like it's kind of quirky in its own right, or it's got like a little bit of a, um, just like a uniqueness to it, I suppose. So in those two categories, I think it's strong. And also it's one that people seem to know about. You know, it's not so niche that nobody's heard of a hostage. So I think it's a contender. Sorry, I was just eating a cracker, which I realized is maybe the worst food to eat on a podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm back, I'm back. Oh, um, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like eating anything on a podcast is a bold move. It just is, it's ASMR. It's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll probably just edit out any crunches. Um, but, yeah. So hostage, I agree. Contender, not like a definite yes, not definite no. Um, one that I would like to offer up is, uh, I think it's called follow the lever. Uh, the way that functions is if it's like two people doing a scene, when one person like leaves the scene, it's like the camera follows them. It's like they're in the new scene, right? So if you like, you and I are chatting in a grocery store and then I like, I'm like, okay, see you later. And I like leave. It's like the, the scene stays with me, right? Or if we're chatting and then like a milkman like comes in and says hello, the milkman leaves. As they do. You know, milkmen just pop into grocery stores to greet people. <laughs> but like it, it follows the person who's leaving, which I think is really unique because it forces you to do scenes in a different way. Like typically for improv, when you have a scene, the common way to transition from scene to scene is through, as Mary mentioned earlier, a sweep. Someone just like walks in front and then it's like a new scene is happening. Uh, this one, I think, forces you to be a little bit more creative about your transitions. I like that aspect, how, like, it limits you and forces you to be creative in that way. Mm -hmm. Also, I feel like commonly the person to step out of the scene is often the person who feels they don't have anything left to offer, or maybe they're stuck and they feel like, okay, well, I'll just, like, leave this where it is, and either the scene continues without them, mm -hmm. or it gets swept entirely. So, yeah, I think that's an an interesting element to to consider is like oh now this person who typically may have kind of nothing left to say or maybe out of ideas now has to continue onto something completely new mm -hmm. okay so we have a few we talked about a whole bunch and are barely scratching the surface of uh improv forms yeah it's so expansive it's so expansive so have we do we have enough to narrow down the definitive top three or are we still maybe missing one more or something hmm. to summarize what we got so far it seems like we're pretty set on pushpins being, you know, in the top three. That one we feel like is pretty solid. Yeah. The Herald, we think, is also probably going to make it in there just for longevity. Like, who could argue with Californians from 1967? <laughs> and then we also talked about, you know, some weirder ones. Firefly episode, Hostage, and Ghost Jail, and Follow the Lever. Mm -hmm. Any other ones that we're missing? 
one comes to mind, or a couple come to mind that are very, I think, global or well-known, but I'm not sure that they would necessarily be on my top three. So it's maybe why they haven't come up yet, but forms like the Armando, aka, aka the Domino, or Le Rond, are just so well-known. And credit where credit is due, I also read a little bit about these ones. The Armando started with a Chicago improv teacher and player named Armando Diaz, and Le Rond is apparently based on a novel by Arthur Schnitzler called Trom Novella, in which a series of characters sequentially bed each what other. What a wild novel! From first to last and back to oh first. Oh my god. <laughs> Arthur, are you okay? I like somebody who read that novel and was like, man, I want to see this, but in improvised theater. We need that on stage now. (laughs) I mean, why mess with a good thing? But thank goodness they did. Yeah, they're like, Arthur, you've nailed it. (laughs) As has every character in the book. Nice. Nicely done. (laughs) Thank you. On stage, what that one looks like is essentially a lineup of people who do scenes of two people at a time, where, yeah, essentially there's two people on stage, A and B, uh, A leaves, then C joins B, B leaves, then D joins C, etc, etc, until they're back to the beginning of the line, then, then often multiple rounds are done. I find that one less intriguing because I prefer scenes that have the opportunity to have more than two people. Mm. Yeah, it's a little limiting in that way. Yeah, it was described to me once as like, oh, you look like a couple of 11s up there, I think, or like a pair, like an 11, because it's just like two people standing. But yeah, how do you think that compares to the Armando? Would you care to describe that one, Karen? Yeah, I think the Armando, if I remember correctly, it's like someone does a monologue and they do a scene based on the monologue. And then someone does a monologue, like it's like monologue scene, monologue scene. Yeah, that's my impression as well as, yeah, the monologue inspires the scene, inspires the monologue, etc., etc. Um... I feel like I've heard different things or seen different interpretations of this when some people do it one for one, some people will have like a few scenes based off the monologue and then come back to a new monologue when it's kind of like run out on that particular topic. Um, Sometimes I've heard like, oh, the monologue should be from truth. Some people say they can be improvised character monologues. So I guess depends on who you ask and how likely you are to kind of follow any particular set of rules. But I mean, it's improv, so do what you want. Yeah. I mean, I feel like all improv is character improv. Even if people say it's not, I'm like, you're totally not being real you when you're on stage. Yeah. And also, maybe all improv is from truth. You know? Oh, very deep, Kira. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a difficult argument. <laughs> it's a difficult argument to make when we've observed friends of ours being like gremlin boulder people and (laughs) things like that harder to say that's from truth yeah yeah i'm just doing a bit classic improv oh i'm into the bit (laughs) okay so uh you know we've been chatting chatting for a while about various improv forms let's nail that top three so we talked about doing maybe a personal favorite, a global favorite, and a je ne sais quoi. <laughs> <laughs> I am a fan of this format because it's just loose enough for me to be non-committal, which I'm into. Well, global favorite, um, what do you think, Kieran? Is there even a even much of a race here? I w- yeah, I was thinking Harold probably has to be the global favorite just in terms of 
the universality of it and the longevity. That was probably what I was thinking. I agree. I think for global number one, gotta be the Herald, yeah. As a refresher, that's like a A, B, C game. And then that uh, repeats. What do you think for your personal favorite, Kieran? I think the one that both of us really like and were pushing for was, was Pushpins, probably. Yeah, that was going to be mine if, uh, if it wasn't yours. Yeah, I think Pushpins is a brilliant form. It gets used a lot, but, you know, so does Pants. <laughs> yeah, uh, very, very true. The consequences of of not conforming to either one of those things vary uh, in their severity, but I do agree. <laughs> the consequence of not wearing pants versus the consequence of not doing pushpins as your improv form. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. fair enough. Okay, okay. Yeah, I could have thought of a better metaphor than pants, but... I disagree. I think it's a perfect metaphor. I'll, I'll leave it in for posterity. <laughs> okay, so then we have our je ne sais quoi, yeah. Improv is just full of je ne sais quoi, so I feel like... Truly. I'm gonna be a bit of a dick here, Kieran, and I'm gonna say that my je ne sais quoi category is broadly forms that integrate other media. Between, like, the opportunity to create completely new forms or those based off of series like Firefly or our team once did a musical set that used lamps as the only form of lighting based off of over the garden wall. Like that's three different things that are just like thrown into the mix. They're ghost jail or hostage, anything that kind of integrates, whether it be music or literature, like this is too broad. This is too broad, Karen. <laughs> yeah, so basically what it sounds like is our top three improv forms are Harold, Pushpins, and then most other forms. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> okay, great. Glad we were able to narrow that one down. Okay, I'll think a little bit more. Um, what's your je ne sais quoi? I was thinking, you know, we've talked about a few je ne sais quoi's. You just mentioned a few. And I think maybe I would toss hostage as a je ne sais quoi. Just because, you know, I, I like the mixed media format, but I think hostage, by having one individual improvising by themselves for 20 minutes with no idea whether an audience is watching is the closest i mean improv blurs the line between like theater and insanity like quite a lot and i think <laughs> hostage is where that line is blurred the most i like to imagine that somewhere at some point in time there was a hostage set that was being done but there was like internet connection problems and so they never got to look into the hostage room and see what was happening. This person just off on their own in a room, just being completely bizarre. The only thing that makes it performative is the fact that we could listen in at some point in time. So if that gets taken away, is that the line between insanity and improv, as you were saying? Yeah, if you're just improvising by yourself, like, it's not for anybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, truly. Okay, so we've got our global favorite set, we've got our personal favorite set, our je ne sais quoi favorite. Your top three improv forms, you got the Herald, you got Pushpins, you got Hostage. There it is. And I mean, when has anybody suffered the consequences of arbitrarily sticking to their guns about a topic that they're, like, a medium level of informed about? Well, I don't know, Barry. 
Yeah, it's all the time. <laughs> it's 2020, so I feel like that's like most of our political discourse right now. Yeah, very true. Sweet. Okay, well that that gets it then. Amazing. Top three. Mary, thanks so much for you know joining me on this journey through the many improv forms to discuss what may or may not be the top three. <laughs> Honestly, it could all change if we did the podcast a month a year from now who knows so uh it's been a it's been a pleasure thank you so much for having me it's fun to fun to discuss especially in a world where improv is not something that either of us has been able to do in quite a while in fact i would say improv is something that maybe nobody has been able to do in quite a while since it's like a theater performative piece and those haven't been a thing unfortunately do you have a a piece of life advice you'd like to leave us with sticking to the general theme of improv i would say, you know, just to kind of ease up and go with the flow, you know? I feel like in the same way that I find scenes often go downhill very quickly when you start to resist or you start to, like, panic, I feel like that's very true of life as well, you know? It's only when we start to resist our circumstances and wish that they were different than they were do we start to feel ourselves tumbling downhill. And again, in a similar way, when a scene is maybe going in an unknown direction just kind of relax into it and make the best of what you've got yeah yes and yes and baby (laughs) yeah yes and you know accept and then uh move forward cool well thanks for that little deep nugget of uh improv wisdom also floss guys feels great when you get used to it (laughs) we get the the philosophical and the practical Thank you, Mary. Thank you so much for having me, Kieran. It's been so much fun. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you, Mary, for joining me today. And thank you so much for listening to The Top 3. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion of the top three improv forms. It's worth noting that our rankings are driven by passion, not by expertise. If you would like to suggest the topic to be discussed, or you would just like to say hi, please leave a comment or message us on Instagram at thetop3pod. You can also email us at thetop3pod at gmail.com. The music featured in this podcast is by Sebastian Ochoa Mendoza. If you would like to support this podcast, please tell your friends about it. I hope that you have a lovely day. Mm-hmm.